0: Had a great time last weekend. Uh, my niece was married, and I didn't do the ceremony, but just was able to attend and got uh, to see some families. I heard it was a great service. But uh, I was going to call you Pastor Graham, so <laughs> sharing uh, the word. Well, we're going to finish uh, the Sermon on the Mount, twenty-four. Um, uh, this is part twenty-four. But uh, <clears throat> I actually thought I'd be able to get through it before, by, the, by the end of August. I, I miscalculated just a little bit. <laughs> but uh, what we've done, the vision of, the, of this uh, sermon, for those of you who may just be joining us for the first time, is just to go slowly through the Sermon on the Mount, verse by verse, and kind of unpack it. And uh, apply it to our lives. And so we're concluding that today. uh, The sermon is really Jesus' vision statement for His kingdom. It's what He expects of His disciples. And so it's Christ defining for us his vision for the kingdom of God. His vision for what it would look like for uh, uh, really the church. Uh, the church and the kingdom are not necessarily synonymous, but the church is part of the kingdom. And and so it's, it's how Jesus envisioned those who follow after him. That's what he would say, follow me. Uh, if those who became his disciples, what their lifestyle would look like. And the sermon ends with a number of illustrations that depict what an authentic disciple looks like. And so we're going to read through verses 24 uh, through 29 of chapter 7. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain uh, descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at His teaching, for He taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. So we're going to... Begin with verse 24. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I would liken uh, to him to be a wise man who built his house on the rock. The previous verse contrasted those who called Jesus Lord, uh, you know, if you call me Lord, and either did the will of the Father or did not do the will of the Father. This section kind of takes it a, a little bit further and contrast those who hear Jesus' words and either does them or does not do them. So even just hearing the words of Christ uh, uh, demands a response. Uh, and uh, Erdman's, one of the commentaries that I'm using, says, if words without actions have just been condemned, now hearing without action is condemned. And one thing to keep in mind, <clears throat> I've taken 24 Sundays to to go through this sermon, you know, six months or more than six months, most of the year. <laughs> but Jesus said it in probably 30 minutes. You know? And, uh, and whether or not it is a, a combination of, of portions of his teaching put together, or it is literally one teaching that he did, I think it's kind of both. Uh, he ministered for three years, according to John's account. And so, uh, he would have taught this, and we have a different version of it in Luke. Uh, he would have taught this, and in sections of this he would have repeated, uh, often. And so, um the idea is that uh, it's one teaching we've taken little bits of it and kind of delved in deep but the the hearers will uh, will uh, would have heard the whole thing and this is has built to the conclusion he's kind of wrapping it up um, and so they would have just heard of those uh, who had called him Lord but did not respond with their actions and now He's kind of upping the ante just by hearing his words and not uh, responding or not obeying <coughs> uh, causes them uh, to come to condemnation. Jesus then goes on and says, "...these sayings of mine." And so Jesus is making an astounding claim of authority here. Right? He's saying, "...my sayings." Uh, not only uh, dictating how a person should live by his own authority... But also, how they'll be judged eternally, right? Um, Entirely based upon their response to his teaching. Now, if I were to say that, if I were to say, you know, your life, whether you succeed or fail in life, is based on how you receive Cameron's teachings, and in fact, you will be judged eternally based on how you receive me, what would you do? <laughs> Herman would be here. Me and Herman would be the church. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Alright? That's ridiculous. If if I if I get to that point, you know, come and punch me. <laughs> Throw water in my face. Wake me up. <laughs> right? Because I don't have that authority. Alright? It's not my words. Uh, and the only authority I have is when I speak Christ's words, when I appeal, when I reference Scripture. And so my job is to take Scripture and to, you know, uh, put it in the context of our day and how, how, what it means to us, what it means to you and I. <clears throat> but Jesus said these things of, of mine. And so He was claiming this incredible authority in His life. I was uh, listening to a talk show, or actually a video <clears throat> online, uh, and uh, I never had heard of this guy before apparently he's quite famous he's got a very popular radio show his name is Dennis Prager and he's a conservative um, talk show host but he's Jewish alright he's very Jewish uh, and he was uh, being um, there was a, a show with uh, Dennis Prager and Ravi Zacharias who happens to be a Christian of, uh, but he's originally from India and he's a scholar, and Dennis Prager is also a scholar. They're both scholars and um, speakers. And the host was Jeff Foxworthy. How many know Jeff Foxworthy? Yeah, I know, just that in itself. Ravi Zacharias and Jeff Foxworthy, i got to watch this, all right? And it was, it was a lot of fun. And Jeff was clearly, you know, out of his uh, depth there. <laughs> it was kind of fun to see him. But... Um, It was a very interesting talk show and, and, and so it was, they were asking questions and, and Dennis and Prager kind of, uh, responding from a a Jewish, um, uh, perspective and how a Jewish uh, response would be to a particular social issue or question and the rabbi zacharias giving the christian response and it was, it was it was very very interesting and one of the things though as he was talking he said he was always taught when he was trained by the rabbis all the way through his schooling was he must he had to always quote the source before making any statement. And so even now, and in that, and that night, he would always quote, whenever he referenced anything, he would say, you know, a New York Times article said this, and it was written by so-and-so, or a, you a know, famous scholar, so-and-so said this. <clears throat> Every quote, he would always give the reference to the, um, the source. And as he said that, it's probably because I'd been studying this passage, I thought, wow. Uh, That's kind of interesting. I I thought of Jesus when he referenced, um, when he was teaching, he wasn't referencing other scholars. He wasn't even referencing, you know, he would occasionally uh, say, as it was said of old. But especially here, he said, you have to accept my teachings. And in one sense, Jesus did not vary from the tradition of of the scholars, of the scribes, the Jewish rabbis. He actually was quoting the source because He is the source. (laughs) Alright? So when Jesus was speaking, He was speaking in His authority from His person as as the Word of God. And so Christ uh, presenting His Word as having that authority is very important. It's very um, important to understand that Jesus presented Himself as the one with the authority upon which <clears throat> people's eternity would be decided, all right? Jesus understood that very clearly, and the New Testament portrays this very clearly. The early church believed and taught this very clearly because we have this record, and all the way through the New Testament. And so, if anyone ever uh, questions you, or if you ever question, you know, did Jesus really think he was God? Did Jesus really present him that way? Well, yes. You know, this is another reference to where Jesus is clearly presented as the one to whom we must give account. It continues on. It says, who hears my words and does them. And so the emphasis is on the doing. Because the doing reveals a person's inward character as being wise. And you can hear something, but if you don't do it, uh, that's, that's really the point. And in fact, the same Greek word is used throughout the whole, this whole section, and I, I don't know how to pronounce great Greek, but I think it's, uh, poyeo, which means to do or to bear. And again, Jesus has just given a bunch of illustrations, and he's used that word in almost every illustration. To do or to bear, and to bear is like when the good tree bears good fruit. The word bear is the same poyeo. Uh, for ale. my wife says I say every, every word kind of in a his, a Spanish accent. (laughs) And then I I don't even do that very well. (laughs) But it means to do, to produce. So our actions reveal our nature. Okay? Our behavior reveals our nature the message of the gospel i think the, the message that jesus is preaching throughout this whole section and the whole of the new testament is that our nature can be renewed through authentic relationship with jesus as christ you know when we come into relationship and jesus christ is our savior uh, even though our nature originally is corrupt and bad he transforms our nature And that's the message of the Gospel. And then that transformed nature can produce good fruit, can produce behavior that is consistent with the will of the Father. And that's the whole theme of this section, actually all the way from verse uh, 13 through 29, is uh, on the theme of demonstrating your renewed nature by producing fruit or by doing the will of the Father. continues on. Says that uh, the rain descended, the floods came, and winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall for it was founded on the ho- on the rock. So, rain, floods, <clears throat> winds, most likely represent trials of life. Some pe- some scholars think well, it's referring to the judgments of God to come. I happen to think that uh, Jesus is teaching that the judgment that we will face will be based on the decisions and the actions we make in response to the issues, the winds, the rains, the floods, the pressures of life uh, that we, we endure, okay? And so it's not like, you know, in the future something horrible is going to happen that God will judge us with, but it's, it's in the rains, it's, it's the responses to the challenges, to the storms of life that reveal our character and that, is, that character uh, reveals if we've really come in the right relationship, if we're really authentic disciples. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Uh, at issue <clears throat> is whether or not we've responded according to the will of the Father and according to Jesus' words, or disregarded them and practiced lawlessness. All right? So... Uh, uh, Jesus is creating a contrast throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount between two different types of people, whether we've received the will of the Father, whether we're living the uh, lifestyle that Jesus taught, or practicing lawlessness. And it's like the only other option. Both <clears throat> demonstrating whether our relationship with the Father and Jesus is authentic or not. Is it real? Uh, and so, Jesus, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, kind of differentiated... His disciples and His followers and what He came to establish from what they were used to. The, the teachings of the rabbi, or the righteousness of the Pharisees. And, and gave a whole new standard. But in this last section, He's really pounding on, this has to be authentic. This has to be really who you are. It cannot be just something outward. It cannot be just something learned behavior that you do because this is what you're supposed to be. You don't even know why. Right, it must be authentic, Uh, or uh, uh, and if it's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna pass the test. So it's very important that Jesus doesn't say that we will avoid storms if we're obedient. (laughs) Right? He says we will endure the storms. In fact, you could take it as a promise of Scripture. (laughs) All right, this is one of the promises of Scripture you can you can hang on to. Is that you're going to be rained on? Your parade will be rained on, right? In fact, your house will be flooded, blown upon, you know, beat on. Poor people in the Philippines, right? A tragedy that happened. Wow. And, and we, we have compassion, and hopefully you've given uh, to support. Uh, at one point, I don't know if it happened everywhere, but I was watching newscasts. newscast, they said uh, a five-meter high wall of water. The storm surge was five meters. How many feet is that? Um, It's almost as high as this ceiling, right? This is a 20-foot ceiling. So can you imagine a wall of water just coming? So it's very much like the tsunami that hit uh, um, Japan a few years back, and I've seen personally the devastation that that causes. And the Philippines, not, you know, their houses aren't, they don't have the infrastructure like Japan has. They're just wiped out. So you've maybe seen, seen some of those pictures. And the idea here, Jesus is painting a very vivid picture of the storms of life coming in. And, and really, you can say that that's a promise. Jesus said, That even if you're living an obedient life, you're going to have storms. You're going to have floods. You're going to be blown upon. You're going to be beat upon. And um, the blessing that we have is the promise also that if our life is, if we're living the will of the Father, then we won't fall. That our house, which is you know a picture of our lives, what we build, you know, it's not going to fall down, and we're not going to fail. So, you know, you're not going to be a failure in life if you're living the will of the Father. Was last night in Vandalia, uh, this man, he was probably about my age, and uh, he'd actually just stopped by at the end of the service because he knew some of the other people that were there, and he was talking about how he went through a, a season of depression, and um, he, just, he said he felt like he'd, he was just a failure in life. And it almost ruined him. And um, you know, no one wants uh, to to live and get to the end of, you know, near the end of the life, or the later seasons in life, and go. You know, everything I've done has been a, been worthless. Uh You know, and so many people live that that life. And if you've built your life on the will of the Father, and you're living the words of Jesus Christ, you can have confidence that you're not a failure. Say, I'm not a failure. No, you know, and it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Maybe you were living a life that was failing because you weren't doing the will of the Father or you weren't living the words of Jesus Christ. But Jesus offers the promise that you can come into relationship. His words can make your life right. Okay? That's what He's saying to the people that He was speaking to. And the people he's still speaking to, which is you and I, and everyone that hears these words. So thankfully that that man actually said, he started reading, he got counseling, but he said what really uh, changed his life was when he um, started reading through the book of Romans and uh, he said one morning I woke up and I was happy <laughs> well praise God <laughs> so it's interesting this uh, uh, this illustration that Jesus uses is almost verbatim a, a retelling of a prophecy that we find in Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. and it said this is a prophet who had spoken uh, many centuries earlier <clears throat> it says therefore this is what the sovereign Lord says look I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Wow, don't you think the people that were hearing Jesus, who knew the Old Testament, probably like, wow, he's practically quoting that. And he's saying that he is that stone. Whoever believes need never be shaken. And it goes on, verse seventeen, or the next verse, and the, the the prophet continues. Isaiah says, "I will." The Lord says, "I will test you with the measuring line of justice and the plumb line of righteousness." And Jesus has been explaining what kingdom righteousness looks like. <clears throat> so that's going to be the measuring line, and then. Since your refuge, speaking to the the Israelites of old, your refuge is made of lies, a hailstorm will knock it down. Since it is made of deception, a flood will sweep it away. And so... Uh, the contrast is very similar to Jesus' story. That If you're living in deception, if you're living in lies, the storms of life are going to ruin your lo- house, knock it down. But if you're living the will of the Father, if you're living the words of Jesus Christ, you're, you're going to be solid and safe. And then First Peter also references the Old Testament um, prophecies concerning a, a, a foundation stone or a cornerstone. So Peter now writing... Uh, years after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven <clears throat> teaching the church. It says, Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. How many want no shame in their life? Come on. All of us. right? And so we can have a life without shame when we're... Uh, Uh, believing on Him. Peter continues, Therefore, to you who believe, He is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the Word to which they also were appointed. Notice that uh, Peter uh, and the Scripture here clearly contrasts you who believe with those who are disobedient. Right? It's not you who believe to those who don't believe. It's those who believe to those who are disobedient. And the reason for this is that in the Hebrew worldview and the mind and the language, there's no difference between believe and obey. Right? They didn't have like we have in our day because our... um, you know, our worldview and the way we think and our language is so influenced by Greek thought that we can believe something and, and actually practice a lifestyle that is completely contradictory to what we have give intellectual assent to. All right? We almost, we almost think that we can believe one thing, but do something else. Well, I believe this, but I'm not quite there yet. All right? But you couldn't, you couldn't even say that i 'm not a, a, a Hebrew scholar, but from the Hebrew scholars i 've read <laughs> and heard speak on this it's like that that concept is not in in the way that uh, the Hebrews thought right? because they they understood that if you believe something, you will obey it, and if you disobey, then you 're demonstrating that you don 't really believe it right. And so, it's, it's, it's better for us, you know, how can we work this into the way we think? <clears throat> well, we can aspire to things. We can see the value of certain beliefs, but recognize we're not really living there yet. We're, we're not fully convinced. And it's a, it's a lie, it's a deception to say, I believe this if our lifestyle is contrary to what we say we believe. It's really What you're really saying is that I wish I believed that. Mm-hmm. Or I see the value in that, but I haven't fully grasped it yet. It's just more honest to say that. You know, and uh, <clears throat> I thought of an example. It's probably not a very good example. I haven't thought of a better one. But I believe that it is really stupid to text while you drive. Yeah. All right? I have friends that have run into other cars because they were texting, they looked away for just a minute, and ran into a car. You know, every now and then, it makes it a little chirp, and I just got to look it. I tell my kids, I've been driving for 35 years, okay? I know when it's safe to look down at the, Don't you guys, when you guys start driving, don't you do this, right? Okay. You know what? I'm, I'm just lying to them. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm trying, I'm getting better, I'm much better. I leave it there until I'm stopped. But even that, the other day, I was like, there's a red light. Okay. By the time I looked up, you know, the guy behind me was like, because <laughs> it just, just, it's, it's not a good thing to do, right? And I can think of some m- much more graphic examples but that's just a little example. You know, really, I, I believe it's okay. I can get away with it. I don't really believe it's completely, not only is it wrong, it's against the law, and it's stupid. I shouldn't be doing it. You know? And so if I really believed that, I wouldn't do it. And if I do it, then I don't really believe that. And that's just being honest. Alright? So it makes sense. <clears throat> Alright? I think Jesus makes sense, doesn't he? <laughs> Next verse. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Both individuals hear the same words, build a house, experience the same storms of life. All right? Never judge someone, um, uh, either yourself or others, by the storms, by the circumstances you're in. Everyone experiences storms. Everyone experiences floods and being beat upon. Your storms may look different than your neighbors or your friends or someone whose lifestyle you can't even imagine. You've got to be very careful here because some people interpret storms uh, as being the judgment. But storms aren't the judgment. Right? It's right. how we respond to the storms. That will determine how we're judged. So we have to be careful here. <clears throat> What's, what Jesus is teaching applies to everyone, regardless of their lifestyle, that if we hear Him and begin to do what He says, we'll have the wisdom to build our house in a way that we can endure the storms that life sends, our, sends to us. The message uh, translates this section, I think, really powerfully. It says this, <clears throat> These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements uh, to your standard of living. They're foundational words. Words to build your life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rains poured down, river flooded, tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But, If you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When the storms rolled in and the waves came, it collapsed like a house of cards. And so Jesus is saying, you know, this, he's not talking about, um, you know, how to just have little nice fix ups in your, in your lifestyle. He's talking about the foundation of your life. And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he's comparing Two different types of people. This is kind of a quick uh, overview of some of the different illustrations that he's used to depict an authentic disciple uh, with those who are not authentic. The authentic disciple chooses the narrow path, the narrow and the hard path. The person who's not authentic chooses the wide and easy path. The authentic ones are sheep. The disingenuous ones are wolves. Contrasted, good trees that bear good fruit. With bad trees that bear bad fruit. Those who do the will of the Father with those who practice lawlessness. And I really, I think that one just kind of hits me. Like there's no, there's no in between. You're either doing the will of the Father or you're living a life that's lawless. That was, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Jesus was in their face. Uh, you hear and do His teaching or you hear and do not do His teaching. You're either wise or foolish. You're built on the rock or built on the sand. You prevail or you fail. There's only two categories. Jesus is saying, listen, there's two kinds of people in the world. Authentic, not authentic. Thing is, we get to choose. And according to Jesus' teaching, what determined the category that people were put in? These are their choices. It was their actions. Right? All the way through. It was their choices. Our choices and our actions. There was no outside influence. You can study... I've studied the whole Sermon on the Mount. I didn't see anywhere in there where Jesus said it's up to some other influence. Alright? Or circumstance that put, that determined what category you put in. You're put in. Jesus' All the way through, it says it's based on, on what you choose and how you respond. If you receive, if you do, if you obey. And so I think this is a powerful picture that Jesus paints. and It's a, it's a powerful uh, promise, you know, that He presents the opportunity to everyone to respond. It's not predetermined. It's not a fatalism where there's no hope. No, it's incredible hope. She's saying, this is the way of life. Choose it and live. It's practically a quote from the Deuteronomy. Who, are, <clears throat> uh, who we are is determined by how we respond to Jesus' teaching. And what we do reveals who we are. Who we are is determined by how we respond to His Word. Right? Mm-hmm. And what we do reveals who we are. And I, in our culture, we kind of disconnect the two. But I don't see any disconnect throughout the Sermon on the Mount and throughout Jesus' teachings, throughout Scripture that there's a connection. Who we are is determined by how we respond and what we do reveals who we are. Uh, Life Application Bible <clears throat> uh, on this uh, section says this, Most people do not deliberately seek to build on a false or inferior foundation. Right? Nobody decides I'm going to build a house that's going to fall down. Right. Instead, they just don't think about their life's purpose. They don't realize you know, how decisions made uh, actually turn out to be foundational in their lives. And they find out years later, oh, what a mistake. And their whole life is out of whack because of uh, decision after decision. Um, many people are headed for destruction not out of stubbornness, but out of thoughtlessness. Wow. Uh, part of our responsibility as believers are to help others stop and think about where their lives are headed and point out the consequences of ignoring the message of Jesus Christ. Right? And the question I ask is, which type of person do you want to be? All right? uh, I would add to that uh, part is that, add to what the Life Application Bible says, is that... Um, Many people have never heard Jesus' teaching and don't even know there is another option. You have to understand this. And I don't know how long, you know, you've been a Christian, how long you've been attending church, but even those who start out completely from the world and get saved after a few years, you kind of just think everybody knows all these stories. Listen, the people outside of these walls, you have to assume they know nothing. You know, and I actually love it when I get to talk to somebody and they, they don't even know, you know. I've had people say, "So what? What is the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament? Are they two separate books?" Mm-hmm. You know, they have they never seen. When you t- open up a Bible, and they go, "You know, they it, like," they're scared of it. <laughs> like you don't have to be afraid of it. You know, I love that. But we have to understand that. So people are making decisions not out of rebelling against the words of Jesus. They've never heard the words of Jesus. Who's going to teach them? Who's going to share that word? You you think they're just going to come off the streets and into church? I wish. It's not how it works. We're to teach the words of Christ alright our challenge is to present the message in a way that makes sense doesn't dilute it but draws people in and this begins by demonstrating the message living the message alright and speaking it you can't do one or the other you have to live it and then speak it you have to tell people why you're different you know because there should be a real reason because of the your uh, relationship, your interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, next slide. Uh It says, "...and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at His teaching, for He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes." The message puts it this way, "...when Jesus concluded His address, the crowds burst into applause." They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. I like that the message actually translates having authority as living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to the religion teachers. This is the best teaching they had ever heard. I think that we're called to be Christ-like in our personal lives as well as in the way that we present the message. In other words, if we're living what Jesus says... And so if we're living what we're saying, we can believe that there will be the same positive response and powerful response. If we live that way and if we preach that way, I believe, just like the crowd responded to Jesus, when people encounter authentic disciples preaching an authentic gospel, there's going to be a powerful response. And that's what we're called to. We're called to live Christ-like But part of living Christ-like is preaching, is proclaiming, is declaring, is fishing for men, is going out and demonstrating it and explaining it so others can come into the same relationship that He's offered to you and I. Amen.